Hi guys and welcome back to the Top Four Tiers podcast. Um, it's Tom and Lucas again, and in a week which had no Premier League football, um, we're going to be talking about all things across the EFL. So a little bit more coverage probably for the EFL this week. Obviously, it's transfer deadline day as we record this, so plenty of breaking news that's going to be happening, plenty of transfers, and we will save a section of the podcast to, to discuss transfers all across the divisions at the end. Lucas, just want to ask how you've been. How's your week been? Not been a bad not week. Bad um, week. How's yours been, Tom? Yeah, not not too bad. I, I am currently filled with cold at the moment. Um, so if I do sound a little bit different, guys, then, I mean, none of you would have probably picked up on it. But, but yeah, I am having the odd coughing fit as well. So if I ever do go silent, that's what it's for. Um, but yeah, guys, great week. Obviously, went down to see see the Rangers again at the weekend. Uh, you were there, Lucas. So I'm very happy. Um, maybe Reading fans aren't, but yeah, let's let's get into it then. Let's get started. Um, we'll go chronologically with this one. Starting the championship, and VAR was again trending on Twitter on Friday night for the championship fans. Now, what a shocking decision it was, though. Um, that Karoma tackle. I, I assume you have seen it. Yeah, of course I've seen it, but that just sums up the championship for you and the squalid standard of refereeing that we see in the second tier of English football. It's absolutely terrible with some of the decisions that are made. For those who haven't seen it, I'll do my best to describe it. Karoma comes in, stud showing, completely knocks out the Stoke player. I can't remember who it was. Tom, do you know who it was? He does. He doesn't knock him out. He is conscious, but yeah. it's maybe fine. knock him out a bit. Maybe knock him out a bit excessive, but Karoma completely gets him, starts showing, and then doesn't even get a card for it. I don't think, which is an absolute disgrace, given the state of the challenge and the fact that it could very easily have been career-ending. And five minutes later, Karoma goes and scores. That just sums up the championship for you and the appalling standard of refereeing. EFL, sort it out, get your Fs better, because this is absolutely terrible what we see week in, week out. And there's Lucas's rant over. But uh, I totally agree with him, to be fair. I think the thing is, it is a shocking decision and the misery is compounded by the fact that Karoma goes and, and scores a decent goal, deflected in fairness, but to put Huddersfield in there. But I just think the game overall, Stoke, and Hud- they'll probably take a point, Stoke, but... It was it was a wonderful goal by Jacob Brown Brown to equalise late on, but again they huffed and puffed um, and they just don't look that creative going forward to Stoke. Now there is we will discuss transfers later, but it has been heavily rumoured and I think it is a done deal now that Josh Madger has signed for the Potters and Sam Surridge looks like he's on the way out just six months after a six million pound move. So bit a bit of attacking movement there, but. I just think Stoke need to sort out their, their attacking presence. One big thing, though, is the return of Nick Powell, who, who came off the bench and, and really did make an impact for, for the Potters. So that's that's good news for them, isn't it? Yeah, it does go without saying that. Um, just looking at Mop right now, it does go without saying that Stoke, they have missed Nick Powell, if you like, and they've missed that creative outlet since... Their 2-0 win over Peterborough in November. They've only won two games in the Championship 
of which one was against QPR, mine and Tom's team, unfortunately. That was because the keeper had the game of his life. Um, but other than that, they've looked rather uninspired going forward. Um, and they failed to score in quite a few of their games um, while Powell's absent, which just goes to show how much Stoke rely on Nick Powell going forwards. And they have, they've missed him a lot. They really have. Yeah, moving on then. So that was Friday's bumper fixture. We're going to then now talk about Saturday's championship docket. And we're kicking it off with our boys, Queen's Park Rangers, who were, were just mustard, weren't we? I mean, 4-0 winners over Reading. Lyndon Dykes, the best on earth. He bagged two. Blitz, Luke Amos bagged one. Chris Willett was unplayable. And then, you know, as for Reading, just really worrying times for them. Velko Paunovic came out and said something that, that probably made the Reading fans' stance on him even worse, which is, apart from the four goals, we played well. The problem is, though, Paolo, is you conceded four goals and obviously losing 4-0. Now, I can sort of see what he's saying. They did have a fair... I think they may have had a bit more possession, a few more shots, but a lot of that came in the second half when... QPR just sort of sat back and settled for a 4-0 win and let Reading have the ball. And Marshall was forced into a couple of saves, but overall, Reading are certainly the poorest side I've seen QPR play this season. I don't know about you, Lucas. Oh, it goes without saying, Reading were absolutely terrible. They've lost seven of the last eight in all competitions. Only one match they failed to lose this year, and that was against Derby when, when they threw away the lead in second half stoppage time. It's been looking properly, properly grim for them. And what goes without saying, this Reading side is probably the poorest of the poorest side I've seen, poorest all-round side, if you like, I've seen us come up against this season. Luton's attacking against us was probably worse, but it was absolutely abysmal from the Royals. Absolutely terrible. And how Paolo is still an employed man and he's not down the local job centre plus it's just beyond me and if Reading don't sack him and if he doesn't get his P45 soon then bold statement Reading will go down that is bold Lucas but I'm not sure there will be many job centre pluses in Reading probably probably more Waitrose and uh, and John Lewis's but do you know what it is I think you're right but anyway, let's move on to another game that was massively important down the bottom of the table. Um, and it was Sheffield United. Well, Sheffield United aren't down the bottom, but one of Reading's direct rivals, Peterborough, who is another side who are really looking awful. Billy Sharp broke the championship record for most championship goals since the rebrand in 2004, which is brilliant. Obviously, Sharp is Sharp. Is sharp. He, he just... He does what he says on the team. He gets goals at this level, but a Callum Morton calamitous own goal. It was unlucky, but just summed up Peterborough really this season. And I think they're another side to me. I don't know about you, Lucas, but they look really, really in trouble. Really sharp, sharp by name, sharp by footballer. What can I say? And um, yeah, Peterborough look like they're in serious, serious trouble. The signing of Stephen Bender in goal did not cut the mustard. Has not as seemingly like it has just has not cut the mustard at all. I don't know why they got rid of David Cornell because it looked like he was doing fairly well 
in for a size who is that far down the table and of a quality like Peterborough. But I think Peterborough are in serious, serious trouble. And with Derby playing the way they're playing, they're only seven points off safety, which is mad to think that they are in such a dangerous position a couple of weeks ago. And even though they're fine, even though off the pitch, they still could go out of existence any day now. On the pitch, they're not letting that phase them and they're doing really, really well. But that's an aside. Back to Peterborough. And I think one player they're missing is Dan Butler, who is out for the season. And I think losing Siriki Dembele has just is really, really bad for them. Or they'll most likely lose him to Bournemouth. You can put your house yeah, yeah. on them doing it. But I, I mean, think Bournemouth have signed a full a full team seemingly today, which we'll we'll discuss later. But Dembele leaving Peterborough it's a big blow for them if he does leave, and it is looking very likely. Um, another team that is in dire straits is West Brom. We seem to be very negative today, but there is a lot of teams in in trouble at the moment. And and Valishmal side going to the den. Oh, it's never an easy place to go, is it? The den. We all know that, but. 2-0 and it was so abject the performance. I think their last two performances, back-to-back 2-0 defeats to sides that aren't really pro- sort of playoff calibre, I wouldn't say. I think obviously Ryan Lowe's Preston have been have been very good since he took over, but a 2-0 loss to a, a Millwall side that the fan base was putting pressure on Gary Rowett before this game. Um, Afobe took his goal really well, but the baggies are just... I don't know what it is, but I think something's got to give very soon, doesn't it? Yeah, just looking at their last six games in the league, they've lost four, including losses against Derby, Preston at home. Prior to Preston, they were actually unbeaten at home this season. And Millwall as well. And obviously, my beloved QPR. Mine and Tom's beloved QPR, should I say. And they drew it. And the other matches was a draw against Cardiff, which saw West Brom actually finish the game with nine men. And and the 3-0 win against Peterborough, where it took them until the 78th minute to break the deadlock against such a paltry side in Peterborough. But it's look, but it's not looking good at all for West Brom. They're in the playoffs with 45 points. They're only in the playoffs. Their only saving grace is they have a, they have a half-decent goal difference, and that's keeping them in there. But if I was a West Brom fan, I'd be incredibly, incredibly worried right now because it's looking so, so bad for you. It's just hard to be positive about the baggies at the moment. And Valerian Ishmael, he just seems to suck the life out of this team. He's made some very interesting decisions, not bringing Sam Johnston back into the side, who is one of their more important, who's probably their most important player. He's the only full England international in the championship, correct me if I'm wrong, to have played a game in the last year. Um, but I don't know what's going on at the Hawthorns. It's looking so, so bad for West Brom. And yeah, I don't really know what else to say. There, there really isn't too much else to say. So we will move on. Um, and another game that, that was marred by the tragic news, obviously, that I mean, no football fan should ever, ever go to a game and and not come back. And unfortunately for the Fulham fan who did collapse, um, there was promising news initially that he was meant supposedly conscious as he left the stadium. But 
unfortunately he did pass away and so we obviously send our deepest deepest condolences to him and his all of his family and friends um but moving away from that sort of Fulham you know Blackpool they took four points from a possible six off Fulham this season and yes despite Mitro scoring yet again it's it was I think was it I think Josh Bowler scored um the equalizer which which earned a very very good point for the Tangerines didn't it yeah it's looking like quite an important point as Blackpool who currently sit in 14th look to try and climb up the table later in the season um but it does go without saying that Mitrovic scoring again he's way too good for the championship but Josh Bowler I haven't seen the goal but um he did get man in the match on Fort Mob but looking at the stats, um, it is looking interesting because Fulham had 75% possession and 2.99 expected goals, 19 shots and six on target. Blackpool, on the other hand, had 0.55 expected goals, 10 shots, four on target. And in the end, it was 1-1 with Dan Grimshaw making five saves um, in the match and... Obviously, Bowler cutting in and scoring was really big for Blackpool. But, yeah. Um, yeah. I think as... the thing is to take away with that for, is that no team, I think, is going to ever dominate against Fulham. Even the likes of Bournemouth, who, you know, are, are very, very financially just as good and on paper. Fulham are just incredible and it's just a lapse that'll that'll cost them games and it was a bit of a defensive lapse they didn't take the chances and Grimshaw as I say had a good game and that's why they didn't win the game but there certainly isn't anything to worry about for, for Fulham fans I think that their promotion is pretty much signed sealed and delivered um, the other Saturday games we're just going to very very briefly discuss those wins 1-0 for Bournemouth at Barnsley and Middlesbrough at home to Coventry both, both good wins Barnsley looked incredibly poor again and well to be fair they didn't actually that that that's probably wrong of me but their squad on paper just looked so league one it looked like a mid-table league one squad and a calamitous mistake from one of their better players this year Brad Cotlins where he he came out for a, a ball through and and Billings scored early and Bournemouth shut up shot for an important win and then Borough good win for them again Coventry probably with a better side but Joe Lumley having a good game. XQPR, obviously, we know him well. Um, and, yeah, good win for them. And also there was a win for, for Hull City at Swansea, at home to Swansea. Shot a, uh, is it Arjun Agilajai or something? I think that's um, the name. Um, it's um, shot, I'm, I'm just going to get shot at Avaladze. Yeah. That's I've, the manager's name. Yeah, he's he's Georgian, so yeah. um and the owner is something like Arjun Iladjali or something um, like yeah. that. Aaron Ilachai. Um I don't really know if that was right, but yeah, yeah, moving on. Moving on then, but good goals for Eves and Lewis Potter, good three points for Hull who, who carry on their form. But the other games on were that took place were on Sunday. Um Derby County. I mean, I'll let you take a, take this away. Wow. Just wow. The fighting spirit in this Derby County side 
is like no other championship side I've seen in a long, long time. They just refuse to give up. It's literally the club that refuses to die. Bit like Wigan last season when they they did really badly and ended up coming 20th in League One. And now they're on the Wigan a second with a couple games in hand. We'll come to them later. But Derby, they just refuse to die. And oh my God, Christian Bierley, he's been out injured for a year pretty much. And he's just come on and done that. What a what a wonder strike. Keeper had no chance. And to be high honest, foot, high foot offside. There, there is question marks. I, I personally think maybe technically with the lines he's offside, but the high foot thing, then you'd never ever have an overhead kick goal ever. So yeah, yeah, you, yeah I'm, you've, I'm just playing devil's advocate there. Yeah, you've got to take the risk um with the overhead kick some of the time. And that's what he did. And boy, did it pay off. And Derby, as I said. They're the club that refuses to die. They just do. They just do not know when their time is to give up, and they'll prob they'll probably just fight until the end. I reckon. When I first heard it um, at Pride Park as a QPR fan, they will fight to the end with Derby County. I did cringe slightly, but to be fair, it does ring true. Um, quickly, very quickly, get a touch upon Forest, who Derby's rivals were terrible. They went away to Cardiff. Big win for Cardiff, who had a lot, a lot of new players playing for them. Jordan Hugill signed at one o'clock, scored at four o'clock. Well, four o six, getting the opener. Um, and Isaac Davies, the young lad as well, he doubled the score. And Forest were poor. And performances like that, they make you question their playoff credentials, really. Yeah, yeah. Forest did look poor. I didn't watch the game because I was at work, but I don't really know what to say about Forest at the moment. Um, they've they've sort of dropped off a little bit. They've obviously had all that momentum under Steve Cooper. They they currently sit eighth in the league, having just won three, having prior to yesterday at the time of recording, one one four in a row, including the FA Cup win against Arsenal. But I think yeah, Forest were poor and. Cardiff were worthy of their win, definitely. Even though Forest had more possession, Cardiff just didn't know on the stats and just played a better quality of football, if you like, with Perry NG looking amazing at the back and Hugo scored within three hours of signing for the club. Um, and Mark McGuinness, lad who actually went to school on my road, um, he looked solid as well and he went to the same school as I did. So... Mark, if you're listening, hello, do you remember me? Um, and yeah, so... I doubt it, Lucas, I, I do doubt it. Prob- prob- probably not, but we have connections. Oh, yeah, that's well, that's a nice little fact for you as we move on to League One. And there's probably no other place to start than at Bolton, where Lee Johnson's final game as Sunderland manager. Now, if I'd have told you that, before the game, I think that Lee Johnson wouldn't last the weekend. I think people would have probably laughed you out the building, but it was just the manner and the defeat. I still personally think it is a poor decision to sack him. I think Sunderland are third in the table, and when they, when they play well, they are very, very good. But, I mean, that performance was probably the worst I have ever seen from a, from a team with the calibre of Sunderland. And take nothing away from Bolton. They... They were outstanding. Um, I think Marlon Fossey, 
has been a revelation since signing. And Dion Charles, again, a brace for him. And, you know, they, they just tore Sunderland apart. But Sunderland's, yeah, just the banter era continues, doesn't it, really? Yeah, I think I'll, I'll say the same as Tom. If you told me that Lee Johnson wouldn't last till my birthday, which is on Friday, let alone the, let alone the end of the weekend, you, you probably would have laughed me to the nearest exit. So, yeah, but Bolton were on fire. James Trafford, the new lad in goal, looking solid and also claiming an assist as well. He's 19 years of age, which is barely older than me and Tom. For a big context, I'm 17 this week. Tom is 18. Um, and obviously, Dion Charles, two goals and an assist. And Oladapo Afalayan, goal and assist. Same with Kieran Lee. And then Declan John with a goal. And Marlon Fossey being a revelation. As for Sunderland, wow, doesn't that look grim? Obviously, the, the subs, they were ever so slightly not as bad as the players they replaced, but my God, were they poor with Danny Bart and um, Ron, Ron Torben Hoffman in goal looking properly poor with just 3.7 out of 10 on FOTMOB for each of them. I mean, Danny Bart, when he signed, I thought to myself, Oof, that'll solidify Sunderland's back line. That, that's a good sign in that. I thought, you know, a lot of Stoke fans were disappointed to see him go, but Christ, after that debut, that was a nightmare debut um, for him. And, and the Maccams, where do they go from here? I mean, I'll quickly say one person that I think they should appoint. And I I just think they need a safe pair of hands. Mick McCarthy has been linked. And yes, the football wouldn't be great, but Sunderland's under Johnson have just been too easy to, to score against. And despite playing some scintillating football, I think, Someone like McCarthy, someone like maybe Alex Neal, former Preston and Norwich boss, someone who's not going to let things like losing 6-0 to Bolton happen. Um, that's just what I think. Yeah, I think McCarthy, while the football would be an assault to the naked eye, I still think he does. he comes in and does the job for however long he needs to, even though, even though he's taken Cardiff on even though he tries to take Cardiff on a one-way ride towards League One this season um, Steve Morrison has somewhat steadied the ship unconvincingly but I think he'd come in and probably get Sunderland promoted if he was to come in someone else that could come in um, oh good question Alex Neal it's not a bad shout either um, Alex Neal there is um, ba- basically any half decent manager who's unemployed at the moment there's Neil Warnock's unemployed yep. <laughs> Warnock's unemployed at the moment so Sunderland if you want to give him one final shout for the 11th time before he, re- before he retires the 11th time then feel free um, there's also Grant McCann, I think Grant McCann would also look half decent at Sunderland because obviously he's just lost his job to the new stewardship. Um, but yeah, I think I'd say best for the job would probably be Grant McCann. 
it's a good shout to be fair. So, yeah, that's Sunderland covered. Moving on then to another game that was just mental. Seven, seven goals for Oxford, four penalties for for Cameron Brannigan in one game. And I thought it was a nice story because Carl Robinson after the game spoke about the importance um, of it to Brannigan, being that last year or the last time he played at Priestfield, he suffered a really serious eye injury that luckily he didn't, obviously, but it nearly left him blind. And and so great, great redemption for him. As for Gillingham, they have just appointed Neil Harris, but conceding seven goals and, and conceding four penalties is just, it's embarrassing, really. Pontus Dahlberg is one of those goalkeepers where, I mean, he was at Doncaster earlier in the season. He's on loan from Watford, but he makes some unbelievable saves, but then he'll, he'll follow it up with some absolute clangers. And, I mean, dwelling on the ball for one of the goals, it was just really embarrassing. And I think Neil Harris has got a... If I was him, I'd go in with the fact that we're probably going to get relegated and we need to build for a promotion push next year in League Two. Um, so, yeah, that, that's that game covered. Another one that we're going to quickly cover as well was a, a massive game, really, between two two huge clubs, which it didn't really deliver. It, I mean, it was it was 1-0 to Sheffield Wednesday with Marvin Johnson scoring early, but Ipswich really were poor from a lot of Ipswich fans' own admission and... Again, they're, they're one minute up, one minute down Ipswich, but big win for Darren Moore, to be fair. And with Jordan Story and Harley Dean coming into that defence, it does look a lot less makeshift. Um, and I think that if Wednesday can keep their players fit, then promotion certainly has to be on the cards for them. Yeah, yeah. Um, they won. They did. They won one nil um, with with Marvin Johnson scoring the only goal of the game after six minutes. And I think the fact that Wednesday held out that firm against a team with Bacoli Bond, Burson Salina and Connor Chaplin in attack, I think they've done a pretty good job. And that certainly could well be the benchmark for a playoff push. Elsewhere in the league, I'm just going to touch on the Gillingham-Oxford match. Again, Dahlberg with probably one of the worst individual performances you'll ever see. 3.1 out of 10 on Fort Mob, which is just atrocious. Probably the worst individual rating I've ever seen with the error leading to, with at least one error le- leading to a goal and obviously the penalty. And then I'm just going to touch on another heavyweight clash at the top being Wickham versus MK Dons which saw MK Dons come out on top with Scott Twine scoring the only goal of the game. I think that's pretty big for all involved with Jamie Cumming. I'm not going to say what I was going to say, but Jamie Cumming, um, man, the match, I believe it's his debut. Don't quote say, me on it. Set, please say what you were going to say. <laughs> with Jamie Cumming, no pun intended. Um <laughs> With Jamie Cumming with a man the match performance. Was it his debut? I think it was, Tom. I'm not 100%, but yeah. yeah. He, he was a good sign. And, and, you know, Cumming and Corbiano are two players that, that have been poached um, from other loans. I, I can't remember. I think Cumming was at, was he at Lincoln or somewhere Gillingham. like that, I think. Gillingham. Um, and Corbiano was at Sheffield Wednesday. Both recalled and then sent to MK Don. So... There's obviously something with the, the style of play that Liam Manning has that that is impressing other 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 managers and 
that's why hence why they're getting plaudits. I think losing Matt O'Reilly was was huge for for MK Dons, but it does look like they're going to keep Scott Twine and they've signed Connor Coventry on loan. So, you know, that is not a bad signing to fill. So it is a massive hole that, that O'Reilly leaves, but it's a big result to go to go somewhere like Wickham and, and win. You know, that is a real statement of intent. And if, if MK can keep that consistency, then I certainly think promotion is, is on the cards for them. Another game I want to talk about is probably one that a lot of, Fans won't have sat up and watched, but actually when you watch the game and, and the extended highlights, which is all I got to see, unfortunately, of Accrington Morecambe, um, it, what a game. Uh, your man, Tiamani Diagaraga, he, he plays obviously for Morecambe. He got a booking, didn't really do much else, but Morecambe will be disappointed. Jonah Younger bagged two goals early and, and then Accrington had levelled up by half-time. But good point for both. It is, a, it is quite a heated game, this. I remember going to uh, to Morecambe and thinking that their game against Fleetwood would be a big game. But I think they hate Accrington more. And good point for, for the Shrimps away. That away end did look, the limbs were, were very good. They always are at Accrington. As for Stanley, you know, both sides will, will probably be fairly happy with the point. Accrington... Listen, then they're going to be mid-table. They're certainly not going to be going down this season. And and Morecambe, I actually have a feeling they will stay up. I think they've just signed Dylan Conley from Northampton, so I think I think they've got a, a decent chance of staying up. To be fair, any other games you want to touch on, Lucas? In, um, in one? I think I'm just going to say it now. I think that when <clears throat> the side sixteenth downwards will be sucked into the relegation wrap in League One because um Morecambe will I reckon Morecambe will stay up as all as they as they seemingly do every year, Wimbledon will stay up just. I think one of Shrewsbury, Cheltenham, Lincoln and Fleetwood will go down. Um with obviously Lincoln desperately underachieving from where they were at last season. Um, but yeah, don't really think we should touch on the game. I think we should move on to League Two now. I do want to touch on one game actually, Lucas. If that's Go on all then. right, oh, that's fine. And you did mention Lincoln there. They they lost two one to Burton, but recently they have been there has been an improvement in performance. And and John Marcus scored again, um, a second goal since signing for Portsmouth. But really, it was the Joe Powell show. Uh, the creative midfielder was was superb for for Burton, but again, both both sides. I don't think they're going to challenge for the playoffs. I don't. I don't think they're going to be in and around the relegations. So I, I personally believe that Lincoln will will turn the season around, and don't think a playoff push is likely. But I certainly think they'll be at least mid table this season, and and they're a side that were affected massively. Obviously, Michael Appleton diagnosed with cancer in pre season, so that's of course going to have an effect, isn't it? But Luckily, he's he's recovered and he's been on the touchline, I think, the whole season. So that's a decent point. And then lastly, I'll talk about Plymouth, who got a, a really important win, despite being dominated in the first sort of 35 minutes. Probably the first half, really. They they managed to get in at one all. And then from there on, you know, their quality did show in the second half with two second half goals to win the game. Again, Doncaster, 
we all say they're doomed, but their performances have actually improved slightly. Gary McSheffrey seems to have got a little bit of a tune out of him. And as I say, Plymouth, a bold prediction, but I just can see them falling away. I think when you get dominated by, and yes, I know I've just mentioned that Donny have been better, but when you get dominated by a side that have been as poor as Doncaster have this season, I think you've got to start worrying about performance levels. And they are seventh in the league at the minute. And so, you know, that's, they are still massively in with a shout. And you look at the, but you just look at the teams around them Sheffield Wednesday, Ipswich, Portsmouth have got games in hand. I can see them falling away. Yeah. Um, they do currently sit in seventh. They sit in seventh looking fairly strong, only two points off sick. But I think obviously losing Brian Lowe to Preston earlier in the season hasn't helped matters. And yesterday was their first win in four. So. I have to say it's an important win against Donny with Gillespie masterclass and um, Luke Jeffcott as well popping up with an important goal, as did Joe Edwards and Jordan Garrick. Plymouth, I think they're they're sort they're quite they've been quite inconsistent this season, and I think unfortunately, as you said, it will probably start to fall away for them. Yeah. So moving on on that note to League Two, um, another. Another good week of, of football down there. There's only really one game that we, we can talk about in League Two to start with, and and it's for, Forest Green 4, Tranmere Rovers nil. Now, first versus second, and you're thinking, you know, ten, nearly 11,000 at Prenton Park. The atmosphere is going to be bouncing. No offence to Forest Green, but I think they, they'd admit themselves they're not, they've not got the best support in the world and their away following wouldn't have been massive. So for them to go there and so comfortably win, it just shows that they're an absolute class above. I mean, Jack Hendry's goal, yes, the game was already gone by Regan Hendry, sorry, his goal to make it 4-0 was, was an absolute pearler. But again, Matt Stevens, Jamil Matt, it's 2-0 half-time. Nicky Cadden's got an assist and that just sums Forest Green up, basically. I mean, as for Tranmere, they actually weren't that bad in the game. They didn't play that badly from, from speaking to a couple of Tranmere fans. They sort of said that, you know, yes, they weren't great. You obviously defensively aren't going to be good losing 4-0, but Forest Green just always looked in control of the game. And that's despite Tranmere having more of the ball, but nearly double the chances created for Forest Green, yet... They made like 40 less passes, which just shows the efficiency. I mean, their style of play is fairly simple. It, it, it goes out to Wilson and Cadden. That's where the danger starts. And then you've got Stevens and Matt that are the ones usually to finish it off. Unfortunately, we, we raved about Clark uh, last week, the 40-year-old centre-half. He got a 4.9 on Saturday. So not the best performance for him but as i say i think we probably if i was a bookmaker i'd be paying out on forest green to go up yeah so so would i to be honest it looks it looks written in the stars doesn't it with obviously forest green sitting 10 points clear with a game in hand mind you on the top of the league having only lost two matches all season i think i think the vegans are in pretty good shape at the moment and for sure, this season has to end in promotion to League One because they've been a mental season. And yet, old boy Clark, we raved about last week. He showed why we shouldn't have raved about him as much. So, um, Nicky Cadden with two assists. Just correcting you there, Tomo. And um, obviously, Jordan Moore-Taylor getting man in the match with an 8.5 out of 10 on Botmob. 
obviously he got his goal and his past his past success wasn't great but i think um i think the fact that he knocked it about quite nicely when his passes were successful i think it does go without saying that a pretty good game for um, Forest Green Rovers, probably one that will push them to a promotion come end of the season. Yeah, so I think we've pretty much covered all bases there with Forest Green. Another big game and a massively disappointing result for Bradford City, who I thought had turned a corner after a couple of decent performances, a couple of wins. But they host Crawley, who, you know, it's a game at home, Crawley. I mean... Fair play to any Crawley fan who managed to get all the way to Bradford, but you've got to be winning games like that if you even want a slight chance of going up. But just awful, just really poor performance again. Yes, Andy Cook scores again, but Tony Craig with his with his first goal for the club, it's a deserved win for, for Crawley. I mean, they didn't... I mean, they had more shots. They, they were just the better side. They created more chances. Bradford just huffing and puffing yet again. And again... Derek Adams, is he's really got to start to look at himself internally because I think a lot of people pre-season had, had penned Bradford in for promotion after, you know, luring Adams away from a massive challenge of trying to keep Morecambe up. But results like this just, they're never going to go up with results like this on a consistent basis. And and it's just dis- disappointing, really, for, for the Bantams. Um, another team that will be really disappointed with, with their recent form is Leighton Orient. Um, on on the total other hand, Mansfield have, have now broken a club record for winning eight league games on the bounce. They're now in the playoffs. When that run started, they were 18th, which it's crazy to think that. I mean, Orient, they, they argue that the first goal was was potentially handball uh, for Bowery's goal just before halftime, which is never the best time to concede. But I think pressure is starting to mount slightly on, on Kenny Jacket and... A lot of te- a lot of people saw this Orient side as as promotion, certainly hopefuls, but more contenders. And yes, when you're playing Mansfield at, at the moment, it's it's just the last team you want to play, probably in the top four tiers. But it is starting to look very unlikely that they're going to be making a real playoff push now, sat in fifteenth. But I'll let you speak on Mansfield a little bit because yet again, just just superb. Yeah, Mansfield once again, wow. Just wow. It's been so, so good for them. And when this magical run started, obviously I'm factoring in their 2-0 loss away at Sutton in November. When this magical run for them started, as you said, they were lingering down the wrong end of the table. Now, now they're in the playoffs. And it just is testament to how good the management at Mansfield has been from Nigel Clive, who, mind you, has done it in the championship for two seasons with Burst and Albion, let's not forget. You know, in the second season, they got relegated. He's brought his mate Lucas Aikens down and it's just seemingly all clicking together for Mansfield Town. And for that, they seemingly look like they're, they're on the up, goes without saying, because they've been incredible as of late with John Joe Tool at the back and Jordan Barry um, pulling strings in attack and... Obviously, James Perch rock at the back for them. Thirty six is still going strong for Mansfield, and yes, looking it's looking rosy for them now. It goes without saying. Yeah, I think you've pretty much covered everything with Mansfield there. So, again, I'm going to move on to another game and another side who this time we're going to be a bit more positive because Bristol Rovers really have seemed to turn a corner. Um, Luca Hall getting sent off for two yellow cards in the space of four minutes is 
he's really inexperienced from the young right back. Um, it's something he'll learn from being 18, uh, only 19, but one man's performance who hasn't really featured too much this season, it's Luke Thomas, the 22-year-old ex-Barnsley player, but someone who really talent-wise should not be playing in League Two. And he, he got man of the match here and he was brilliant, but Walsall struggling to beat 10 men, you know, that says a lot really for them. But 54% of the ball, but just seven shots. I mean, it's poor. The limbs were brilliant when when Aaron Collins won it late on for Joey Barton's men. And they now move up to 12th. And I dare to say, is it possible that we could see Rovers as one of those teams that make a real late run for the playoffs? Yeah, um, I think... Them and Mansfield could be a bit like Bolton last season, fighting relegation in the first half of the season, then end up getting promoted automatically. Luke Thomas, not to be confused with the Leicester fullback, um, he had a very, very good game, um, just doing what he does best. And and then, obviously, Aaron Collins winning, winning it in the last minute and obviously a really solid performance at the all over the shop from Bristol Rovers is just testament to them is testament to the management and testament to Joe and testament to Joey Barton as well. Moving on, next two games going to touch on. Firstly, we're going to touch on Stevenage versus Harrogate Town, with Stevenage blowing Harrogate away 3-0 with and now Stevenage move up to 17th in the league, Harrogate 14th. And let's not forget, Stevenage's goalkeeper is Christy Pym, a goalkeeper who actually played has who has actually played in the championship this season, which is just mad to think. And obviously, Terence Van Kooten and Jake Reeves getting man in the match as well, pretty big for Stevenage. As as for Harrogate, after after that rather grim performance, obviously Mark Oxley and goal not doing them many favors and. While the likes of Lewis Richards, um, Josh Falkingham and George Thompson, while they're probably the likes in a very bad day for Harrogate, it's looking pretty grim. As for Sutton United, their miraculous season carries on as they sit fourth in League Two with a game in hand on Newport as they literally sit outside the top three on goal difference. And it's one goal difference point separating them from the top two with obviously um, Richie Bennett pulling strings in a tag game around the match with an 8.2 rating, getting the assist, and Isaac Olaofe getting the goal, and David Ajiboy, David Ajiboy <laughs> getting the other goal for Sutton United, and obviously Dean Buzani in goal for with a, with another solid performance and a clean I'll sheet, mind you. You've had an absolute world with some of those pronunciations because. Fair play to you, but yeah, good. I just quickly want to mention something on Harrogate, though. Um, well, more Stevenage, really. Paul Tisdale has to get some credit because when he took over from Alex Ravel, I think their first couple of games, they didn't really get that money, res- good results. And Tisdale's had a couple of unsuccessful sort of spells in his last couple of management jobs since he left Exeter. And and then, and so you had the old, oh, it's Tisdale, he's lost it. He, he only could do it with one team, but... He seemingly has turned them around and, and they look pretty much safe. And Harrogate will be frustrated, but I think mid-table, they've got to be happy with that, really. Um, 
But yeah, Sutton, they march on, don't they? I mean, surely, surely they can't get promoted. Surely not. And especially as they had to rip up their pitch at the start of the season because it didn't meet EFL standards. Once again, EFL proving why it's for the few and not the many, a bit like the Tories. Um, that means to mention those scumbags at the top, but we move, I guess. And obviously with, um, we've already touched on Crawley, haven't we? Um, game we haven't touched on and then another good result is Dominic Telford at the double for Newport as they beat Barrow and obviously a Mickey Dimitrio in goal making it a nervy ending for Newport but they march on moving on Tom I'm going to hand back over to you now are we going to do another game or are we going to move over to some of the transfers that have been going on over, over the last day yeah there's been a, there's been a lot of transfers to talk about. So, unfortunately, if we didn't mention your game, there was Colchester and Swindon drawing, um, Northampton picking up a big win at Salford and, and John Sheridan's first game being a nil-nil with Rochdale in, in a bit of a derby there, to be fair. So, unfortunately, we didn't cover any of those. But, yeah, transfers. With it being deadline day, there's been a lot of big transfers, but I'll just say a couple of the main ones. I mean... Donny van der Beek has joined Everton on loan. It looks like Deli Alley will be joining them on a permanent deal um, at Everton as Frank Lampard's first few signings get underway. I think my opinion on those, I think van der Beek, that's probably a good move for him personally and probably United. He's not really going to make that much of an impact at United um, this the rest of this season. And I think him and Ali, they could really proved to be a force for Everton. I think it's a decent move for the Toffees and and probably a good move for uh, both the other sides because I think Ali, he needs a new start, doesn't he? Um, after Seemingly, he's just... I mean, I thought after he played really well against Liverpool in when they played, I thought that could be the new sort of the new lease of life he needed, but it seemed to fade and maybe a fresh start under Lampard at Everton will do him some good. Yeah, it goes without saying that um, Everton have been making some moves today with obviously Frank Lampard coming in as manager um, and then obviously signing Donny van der Beek and Deli Alley actually on a free transfer with some massive add-on fees. Um, but just moving on from Everton to Bournemouth, in front of me, I have a tweet here from Ian McCullough he said that Bournemouth's loan fee for Nat Phillips is 1.5 million for six months, with an extra 250 grand to Liverpool if they go up, which is absolute madness. How Bournemouth have been allowed to do this without breaking every FFP rule under the sun is absolutely mental. Surely, if they don't get, surely it has to be promotion or you're in trouble for Bournemouth. Uh, um, with Obviously, so with so many signings made today and probably a few more to come as well. Not sure what else I, I can that, say. That's really. one massive frustration for me, really, with it. Because fair play like Bournemouth, at the end of the day, if we were a Bour- if I was a Bournemouth fan sitting here, I'd probably be licking my lips. I mean, some of the signings, Freddie Woodman on loan. Do they need him? Probably not, but fair play, it's a decent, it's a good signing, very good last season in with Swansea and Nat Phillips, how he's playing in the in the championship, I have no idea, but that's also a massive coup. Um, they've also been linked with Siriki Dembele, as we spoke about, which would be a huge loss for Peter, but just as big a game for Bournemouth. And 
Kiefer Moore has completed a move as well from Cardiff. So, you know, all of these signings, it, it it's it's not really right, in my opinion, though, that a side that is parachute payments are meant to be there in order to stop teams from having to fire sale their whole team when they get relegated. But we've seen it with Fulham spending 15 million on Harry Wilson and something like 12 million on Rodrigo Muniz. We've seen it with Fulham a couple of seasons ago. We've seen it with teams like Middlesbrough spending 15 million on British Ambalonga a few years ago. We've seen it so many times where teams have just spent that parachute money in order to try and gamble to get promoted again. And, and although a lot of these are loans, they, they still cost a lot and wages are still massive and other teams are fighting for scraps, really. And it screams panic for me. That's what it screams because Bournemouth haven't been brilliant recently. And I think Scott Parker's starting to sort of stress a little bit that he might not go up. Yeah, um, I think that it's definitely panic buying territory for Bournemouth. It's been a massive panic up for them, especially as they have they've they've been benefiting from the parachute payments from the top. Elsewhere, um, little Matt Smith, who we all remember at QPR, he's just he's just curtailed his loan from Hull to sign for MK Dons, and apparently Chilean media don't know how reliable this is. Probably a load of rubbish but I'm just going to put it out there anyway Barcelona won Ben Brereton Diaz are you taking the urine he's a great player in the championship but that's just not going to happen surely not do you know what though you're right but the Chilean fanfare is is massive and if that does happen I mean I might get Ben Brereton Diaz tattooed across my forehead Um, I, I probably won't but Unless I've got the widest forehead in the world as well, it's never going to fit, is it? But yeah, he's been amazing. And to be fair to them, Blackburn have managed to to keep him this window. And that's that's a massive coup for them. It wouldn't be a transfer sort of section though, of a podcast without talking about Newcastle, would it? Um, again, so busy for them. They've just signed Matt Target. It looks like Dan Burns going to go through. And I think, you know... They've just made some great signings, to be fair, but do you think it can keep them up? Um, I did say that um, Newcastle survival in the second half of the season depends on how they spend in the first half. No, no, it depends on how they spend in January. And um, they've brought in Matt Target on loan, which is a, a really good signing. Obviously, um, bringing Bruno Gimaylesh, um that was a very shrewd piece of business from the Magpies. Um, I think, obviously, Eddie Howe. I, I reckon Newcastle. I think they've have. I think they have enough in them to stay up this season. I think they've just got way too much money, and if they go down, then next year will probably just be a wasted season for them. As for other sides. Surely Everton have to pull away from danger now they've got Donny van der Beek, surely. Yeah, I think Everton signing those two, it certainly is going to move them up. Just a little bit of League One and League Two chat. Um, There's been a couple of signings gone through today. Aidan O'Brien's left Sunderland to join Portsmouth. That's a decent signing for Portsmouth, to be fair. Um, Peterborough, well, I know that's not League One. There probably will be League One next season, but they've signed Hayden Coulson on loan from Middlesbrough. 
decent signing again. Not bad fullback cover for them. Uh, Kane Kessler Hayden, who was brilliant on his loan spell at uh, Swindon this first half of the season. He's filled the void that Peter Chioso left at MK Dons, joining on loan from Villa. And uh, yeah, all three of them's going through today. All decent signings. Uh, another one that's gone through is John Nosai Tutu joining Rotherham on loan. And again, all very decent signings. I think the thing is with with Jordan Mossai Tutu, a lot of uh, Forest fans rated him quite highly um, at his loan spell there, but he just couldn't stay fit, and and that was the main issue. A um, couple of other loans as well that have gone through today. Well, a couple of other transfers. Charlie Goode has joined Sheffield United, which I don't think is too bad of a signing for them. The Blaze needed a centre-half, and that solves that problem for the end of the season. He, he was decent at Brentford when he played last season, but don't think he's quite good enough to play in the Premier League um, and that's shown and, and, and a, a one that could be massive is, is Huddersfield signing Tino and Jornin on loan from Chelsea who is really really highly rated from Chelsea but one last piece of breaking breaking news which I have just seen on Twitter which I'm not a million percent of the, of the, uh, the likelihood of this but us being QPR fans Jeff Hendrick is likely to join QPR. Live reaction? Oh my god, that that would be a massive, massive signing. Um, obviously, he's he's done it in the Premier League. And would I take Jeff Jeff Hendrick? He know he knows the league. That would be it'd be huge for us. And um, yeah, I really want him. Um, would, would would it be on loan or would it be permanent? Oh, that's not clear yet, but I think it is just a loan move to be fair from Newcastle. But that's a great signing for QPR. Yes, we're biased. Yes, we're talking about QPR again. But I think we QPR really did need probably one more attacking body. And for us to sneak in away from Middlesbrough is is a superb signing, in my opinion. Obviously, who 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 wants to live in Middlesbrough when you can live in London? That's all I have to say, really. Sorry for any Middlesbrough fans listen. Apart but... from me, who lives twenty minutes from Middlesbrough. But... Yeah, <laughs> except for you, of course, and um, a couple of other people who I who I barely know live around there. Um, but yeah, um, he he seems like a brilliant signing. Done it in the Premier League for Burnley and then Newcastle and. Would he look good in the team? Yes, yes, he would. Probably just supplying balls to the likes of Chair and Willock. And yeah, that would be a brilliant signing for us. Goes without saying. Yeah, last couple of bits of news then before we do finish. I'll finish with a couple of rumours that are in the in the running. Um, obviously, we mentioned that Brereton Diaz one. Joe Rothwell looks like he's going to stay at Blackburn, which is, is massively positive for them after being linked with Bournemouth the whole window. Uh, so that's brilliant news for for Blackburn, and I think it was probably a bit of bit of sneaky tactics really from uh, from Bournemouth to try and turn the head of one of their rivals' best players. Um, Middlesbrough have had a poor deadline day actually. Kieran Clark's just turned down a loan move there. Um, not very liked at Newcastle at the moment, but obviously doesn't want to ply his trade in the Championship. And with Hendrick also looking like he's heading to QPR instead. Um, sensible decision by the way but yeah that's a big blow for Borough and then Jonathan Panzo looks like he's going to sign for Forest, which is another Steve Cooper signing an ex-youth team player that he managed with England and I think 
that's a signing that, that could be very, very fruitful for Forrest. And another Forrest move is that Forrest are also trying to sign Josh Bowler from Blackpool. They've been linked with him the whole window, but we all know that a lot of the time teams come in with a with a late, late swoop for players, um, don't they? But yeah, that's pretty much it. I think by the time this podcast comes out, the obviously the deadline window will be shut. Um ahead of another another really good week of football, FA Cup weekend this weekend. So there will be um quite a lot of well, not a lot of EFL action or Premier no Premier League action this week, but I think that you know I love FA Cup weekend and I'll be at Middlesbrough versus Man United somehow got a ticket there and, and I'll be at Peterborough QPR. So two games in two days for me. Um and hopefully we'll get the next week's podcast will be after QPR have won again. Fingers crossed, but you know how we do in the cups. But I'm I'm not saying anything, but hopefully you'll be a solid result. Yeah. Um that brings it to an end then, really. Again, a bit of a longer one today just due to the the, the transfer talk at the end, but we've given the Championship, League One and League Two, a little bit more coverage due to there not being any Premier League games this weekend. And I really hope you guys have enjoyed listening. It's been a pleasure again to share this Zoom call with you, Lucas. Hopefully, one day we can get it in a studio, but uh, for now, it's not worth the trek, really. Um, but yeah, I'm certainly don't think you'd be coming up to to, to Darlington for it, but. Yeah, thanks so much, guys, for listening. And yeah, we'll see you next week. Thanks, guys. See you next time.